Welcome everyone to a special edition of the Knicks Recap. I'm your host Troy and joining me to talk Knicks today is the one and only John Macri. Hey John, how you doing today? I'm doing good, man. Uh, you know, you know, curious to see how some of the, the technical aspects of the, the Knicks wheelings and dealings come down. So we'll, uh, yeah, look, uh, other than that, you know, just uh, enjoying the summer. Yeah, I hear you on that. Same here. And like you, I'm definitely interested in seeing how things shake out for the Knicks. Speaking of free agency, the Knicks have finally, finally signed our point guard in Jalen Brunson. The contract is a descending $104 million over four-year deal. Now, I've heard reports that Knicks brass believe that Brunson is a solid piece, but he's not a savior. I personally see Brunson as a shipwriter, helping to guide the Knicks in the right direction. What are your thoughts on Brunson and what he brings to this Knicks team? Yeah, I mean, I like Brunson. Um, I think he's a really good player. I, I think uh, when that that uh, leaked, you know, courtesy of Ian Bagley, who, I, uh, you know, SNY reported that, like, internally the Knicks didn't feel that Brunson was going to be kind of the star to change everything like you just referenced. Um, there's a reason for that, and that's because they're trying to temper expectations about, you know, what he is and, and what he's not. I mean, like, the Knicks – you know, didn't just go out and trade for an all-NBA level or sign an all-NBA level player. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, I, I wouldn't, would it shock me if he made an all-star team one day? No, it wouldn't shock me. Um, I'm, I don't know that I would expect it or uh, predict it, but he does a lot of things that the Knicks, A, don't have and B, um, need. Like they were, yeah, <laughs> and have been for many years. One of the one of the least efficient shooting teams in the league. Um, he was one of the most efficient guards in all of basketball last season. Um, he actually, from two point range, he's a more accurate two point shooter than uh, literally any guard in the league that qualified for the minutes uh, leaderboard. So it was just him and uh, Drew Holiday were the only guards out there who shot two pointers above a fifty percent clip. Uh, you know, the thing with Brunson, though, is that is where he likes to do a lot of his work, unlike a lot of point guards and, and guards in general in the game today. He likes to, to do his work from inside the arc, which is where I think some of the fit issues come in and why I think, you know, justifiably there are people that are skeptical about what, how much um, he's actually going to help turn the team around because they, you know, they have two prominent players on the roster already and R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle, who that's where they like to operate as well. So. You know, right. there's only so much space on the court. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they, you know, make another move at some point with involving Randall. But, you know, for right now, I think it's a it's a good step forward, even if it's not something, like you said, that is going to solve all of their problems. Between you and me. Was he overpaid? Um, You know what? I think I took... One of the topics I find the most fascinating when talking about the league is just like the concept of value and over, <laughs> right. over. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, that sounds like kind of a wishy-washy answer because to me, you're fairly paid if another team is willing to take on your contract at, as essentially a net neutral asset, which is to say like, 
they're not going to demand any picks be attached to take on the deal. And they will, you know, they might even give up some kind of an, an asset to take on the deal. I think it's a fair number. I think if you look at what his numbers were uh, without Luka Doncic last year, um, you know, those numbers line up with a guy who is probably the, I don't know, 40th, 45th, maybe 50th best player in the league. And if you go down and you look at, you know, any NBA salary database, Brunson's, whether it's 26 a year or it ends up being a little bit less if there's incentives in there, like $25 million a year is the cost right now of, I think, the 51st highest paid player in basketball. So, you know, is he, again, is he a perfect guard? No, he doesn't shoot off the dribble from behind the arc. Um, defensively, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a little tough because uh, he is on the smaller side. Uh, so, like, there's a reason why he's not like a max guy, even though from a shot creation standpoint, like, there really aren't many guys better, again, inside the arc, but that's an important distinction. I think he's fairly paid. I think it's a perfectly fine contract. Yeah, I feel the money for Brunson was more or less fair. I believe with his current contract, he's about the 14th or 15th highest point guard paid in the league. Looking at it from that perspective, he isn't overpaid. And he could potentially grow into an even better player in New York. They've had reports come out saying that he believes that he can unlock his potential and do even better running his own team in New York. Now, time will tell whether that happens or not. Let's move over to Julius Randle. When the Knicks brought in Kemba Walker, we all believed that Randle would thrive with him. But, as you know, that didn't turn out as we hoped. Do you think Brunson's signing helps to add more depth to Randle's game? Um, yeah, I mean, I think when people said that a year ago and why there was a lot of excitement about Kemba, there was the notion that, you know, Julius Randle, even if he wasn't going to be able to match quite the production that he did during his all NBA year, um, at the very least, you could now rely on him as a threat from outside. I mean, he shot 41% from three and... The, the other thing about that, he wasn't doing that on low volume. He wasn't doing that mostly on spot. I mean, it was a lot of spot ups, but, you know, there were, you know, he was taking a lot of off the dribble shots from behind the arc. Like he, he had become, he had turned himself into a legitimate floor spacer in every sense of the word. Um, so if you put a dynamic guard with that player, then yes, I agree with you. The dynamic guard is going to help help that player. He's going to be able to take a lot off that player's shoulders. The Julius Randle that we saw last year is, does not resemble the guy from the season before. So yeah. I, I'm not, and I think that's where the challenges come in because again, Drunson, when he played in Dallas, there were a lot of times where they were going five out with him on the floor. I mean, I went and did the research. They, I think 60% of the minutes he played in the playoffs were with, um, uh, a five who could was a credible threat from deep and in the regular season I don't think he played a single minute with a power forward who defenses didn't at least had to guard behind the arc I mean Julius Randle until he shows that his his all NBA season wasn't an anomaly that was the result of um, you know empty gyms I think teams are just going to welcome him to shoot from outside until he proves them uh, that you know he could hit them 
So I, I don't know that I, I, that look, that being said, when you put better basketball players on the floor, I think it's going to help everybody. I think, I think we're probably overthinking this a little bit. Julius yeah. will be helped by, by Brunson, but you know, there also has to be a certain level of willingness on Julius's part, because in order for a better player to help you, kind of by definition, you have to defer to that player and you have to allow that player to get more, you know, get more time with the ball. And I had like something in my newsletter this morning about how with Jalen Brunson, with them paying him all this money, he's going to have a very high usage rate. So those shots are going to have to come off of somebody else's ledger. Probably, I would guess, they're going to want it to come off of Randall because R.J. Barrett's, you know, 22 years old. He's the face of the franchise. He had like a 29-plus usage rate over the last – um, you know, four months of last season. So I, I don't think they're going to ask RJ to be doing less with the ball. Um, so right. is Julius willing to to do a little bit less? Well, you know, we'll, we'll see. You mentioned RJ Barrett, and that's a perfect segue into our next topic, playing the will they get max money or not game. Per Fred Katz of The Athletic, 16 NBA officials were polled, and they found that none of them would offer R.J. Barrett the $185 million over five-year max contract that he's available for. They're in the range of about $25 to $30 million. Do you think R.J. Barrett should bet on himself and reject any non-max deal? No, I, I don't think it's going to come to that. I think there's already been some reporting. Um, I want to say it was either from Ian Begley or it might have been from one of the other uh, beat guys um, um, I, I may, it may have even been from one of the national guys. I honestly, this this time of year, there's so much stuff flying around. I forget uh, what yeah. came from where, but I I know I someone has reported, someone credibly reported that both both sides felt like you know they were in a good place in terms of those negotiations. And yeah, I mean, look, Fred Fred Katz nailed it. I you know when he was on my pod last week, we talked about it, and I think the most important part from that article for me is when an executive told him like, look, RJ, RJ Barrett could be worth whatever you think he's worth. It's going to come down to like when you're sitting across the table from him or you're doing it through his agent, obviously. And you're going to try to look at him and be like, yeah, we think you're a, you know, a $22 million a year player, a $23 million a year player. Um, you know, which when you look at, okay, so what is that? That's a contract around four years, a hundred million dollars that could potentially be less than half in terms of total money than what the two guys drafted ahead of him are going to get if they hit the designated rookie max criteria. And maybe even one of the guys behind him because Darius Garland had the designated rookie max right. put into his contract as well. So he's eligible to make up to, I think it's whatever it is, 221. Um, you know, so if you're RJ, like he's a prideful guy. Um, he, yeah, he thinks he's a star. He thinks he's gonna, you know, be in MVP races someday, like whether that happens or not, I, we'll see. But I, I just, I, I'm sure it's going to be an interesting negotiation. That said, I'd be very surprised if it did not get done this offseason. I think the number that I think half of those executives that Fred uh spoke to, the number they came to was four for 100. I think that's fair. Um, I, if I if you ask me to bet right now, I would bet it's a little higher than that. And I would bet that there are incentives um, yeah. that for, for certain, you know, for certain benchmarks, I, I just, 
they cannot screw around with this. They cannot afford to piss him off. He is whether you you know whether you love his game or you think he's an overrated kind of chucker who's not very efficient. He is the face of the franchise, and yeah. this is a this is a franchise that like. The last time they thought they had a face of the franchise, uh, it ended horribly in Porzingis. And the time they had a face of the franchise before that in Melo, that ended horribly. And it's like you could go back and you have to – I mean, even you can go all the way back to Ewing if you want. Um, that ended badly. It's like they need they need to just secure him and, like, have that situation continue to be a positive one. You know, otherwise, I, I like, what are you going to – you're going to quibble about two, three, four million dollars a year? I mean – you can't do that. Yeah, I agree with you, John. I believe they mentioned this in the article as well. I like the four years, a hundred million contract for RJ Barrett. That's a very clean number. I believe that's what they said in the article. It's a curious case though. I think he bets on himself and sees what happens. I think he should accept an extension if one is offered to him, but will he? I don't know. That's a good question. I think the the nine figure contract I think is important to I again I don't know this but I'm just if I my assumption this is just going off of like what I'm what I'm guessing I would guess right. that a, that a contract that starts with a one is important to him and I would guess being the highest paid player on the team is important to him. Um, I yeah who knows you know what you might be right betting on himself I mean. The Pelicans essentially did that with Brandon Ingram um, a couple of years, or they did do that with Brandon Ingram a couple of years ago. Granted, very different situation because when they entered into those negotiations with him, he hadn't yet played a game for New Orleans, so there was no pre-existing relationship where the player kind of could look at the franchise and be like, you know, look at look at what I mean to you. But Barrett, you know, that's the other thing. Barrett's smart. He knows exactly what he means to this team, and he knows exactly how the fan base almost universally loves him. Um, I think everybody likes him. I think there were some people in the fan base who think he's probably a little bit overrated, but um, yeah. yeah, he's he's smart. He knows that. So he's going to use that negotiating leverage to his advantage. Did Mitchell Robinson use the negotiation to his advantage? He resigned with the Knicks for four years, $60 million. The Knicks had to add him back, though. Not sure who else was available that they could really sign and replace what Mitch does for this team. From that standpoint alone, I thought it was a great signing. What do you think about the Knicks re-signing Mitch and quote-unquote breaking the Charlie Ward curse? Which, by the way, I thought that had to do with first-rounders or something to that effect, so I'm completely lost with it. For me, for my personal opinion, it's a made-up thing anyway, so I would say yes, you broke the curse. <laughs> um, <laughs> I... Look, it, it, that that is an overpay, um, not a drastic overpay. I think most people would have pegged his market somewhere around 11, 12, maybe $13 million a year. As far as like there was nobody out there to replace him and like they had to re-sign him, I think it was important for the franchise to just retain a rookie that they had developed and that had gotten better under their watch. So, yes, it's important. Yes, he's important for Tom Thibodeau's defensive scheme. That said, I I think fans, maybe not everybody, I think fans are going to be clamoring for Isaiah Hardenstein to play a lot of minutes because that's the backup they signed. That dude's good, and he could do a lot of things that Mitchell Robinson, on his best day, cannot dream of doing. I'm not saying he's as good as Mitch or better. 
Well, I mean, the shoot, but that the shooting part came late in the year when they were just, you know, they kind of yeah. let it, let him, let him swing it. It's it's the it's so many other little things. He's he's such a smart player. His awareness is off the charts. Um, he's obviously an incredibly high level passer. Um, he really good screen setter. Rim protection numbers are off the charts. Even if he or he, as far as like you know all the statistics about how players shoot when they're being defended by you at the basket versus when they're being defended by anybody else. Like those numbers are really good. Just yeah. like everything you could possibly want, he's really good. Um, so uh, yeah, I look. I, I'm happy both of them are there. I'm happy Mitch is back. I'm happy Harden's back here. Uh, I'll be curious to see how they uh, deploy their center rotation moving forward. You know, I've recently gotten onto the uh, Hartenstein train, and man, I don't want to get off. He's been amazing to watch, and I also thought it was a great signing. I didn't even know this. I found this out recently. Hartenstein was the MVP for the G League Finals. It's true. Look it up. He was. His vision for a big man is extremely underrated. But John, one last thing. I have to ask you this before I let you go. I don't know if you felt it over there, but the NBA landscape shook a little bit. It happened quite a lot in Brooklyn. Again, not sure if you I felt it. I live in Brooklyn, so I, oh, I, so I you felt definitely it. felt it. <laughs> you definitely, definitely felt, felt it. it yeah. Kevin Durant lit the NBA on fire when he requested a trade from the Brooklyn Nets. This news is actually coming off the heels of Kyrie Irving opting in to his contract with the Nets. I think we all may have wanted to see this happen, but I don't think anyone ever expected it to happen. What were your thoughts about KD requesting out? And ultimately, where does he end up? Um, I, I mean... Yeah, I was, I guess I was, I was surprised. Well, I didn't even know if I would say I was surprised because like, you know, I, I listen to all the same podcasts everybody else does. And like the, the national writers, the, the guys who know more than they could say, I, I think everybody was hinting, like nobody thought after Kyrie decided to opt in, you know, said, uh, you know, I'll see you in the fall. Like nobody thought that that was over. Like nobody thought that that situation was just going to be fine. And I like it's pretty clear that like KD is a you know he's I don't know I don't want to call him a finicky guy but he's an interesting character so like the notion that he could just decide like yeah you know I'm done with this place I want to move on um, that that doesn't it certainly doesn't shock me I'll say that uh, and then as far as where he ends up I mean I don't know there was some new reporting today from Jake Fisher of Leisure Report that kind of backed up what um shams had reported yesterday which is that the the nets are at least giving off vibes that uh they're going to take this thing into the regular season um i think there are some people that are that are skeptical that they will actually have the stomach for that i i don't know if i believe that i think a trade gets done I don't think Toronto put Scotty Barnes into a trade. I, I, I can't see that <laughs> happening either. No way. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, I, man, Barnes, oh, goodness, he's good. Um, so good. I, yeah, and I, I don't, I would be surprised if the Miami package was, because the, here's the thing, Miami, like, unless you just think Tyler Harrow is, 
is Devin Booker waiting to happen, which I, I'm, I think Tyler Hero is good. Um, I, don't, I don't think he's that good. So I don't, I don't see it there with that package just because not only do they not have a lot of picks, but the other thing that I think people have to consider is when you have a franchise that's as good and as well run as Miami, like, yeah, it's possible those picks might be good, but the odds are that those picks, whatever picks they're putting into a deal, are not going to be great to begin with, especially if, you know, by the way, they're trading for Kevin Durant. So I don't, right. I don't see, I don't see Miami as a, a logical, I mean, I think, Oh, and then, and then New Orleans. But again, if you're like, I think you're going to have to sell KD on going there. Maybe, you know, maybe Willie Green could do that. I know he was an assistant in Golden State when KD was there. Um, if I'm New Orleans, I think I probably put Brandon Ingram into the deal. They also have a lot of picks. Gun to my head. I think he gets traded. I think it's either New Orleans or, um, or uh, Phoenix where he ends up. I, again, just reading the, the lay of the land uh yeah. and i in terms of when it's man i don't know you can you can tell me this happens tomorrow you can tell me this happens in october and i and you'll, be, you know, you'll believe it right <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll, I'll believe i'll readily believe either one i think uh phoenix makes the most sense but uh so do the warriors i mean they have the picks and the youth to do it i'm not saying they're gonna do it but it's interesting to think about. But honestly, if you're asking me right now, I believe he stays with Brooklyn. I want to give a special thanks to my guest, John Macri. Make sure to follow John on Twitter at NBA, And be sure to catch his KFS podcast each and every single week. Thanks again, everybody, for joining us on another great episode of The Knicks Recap. Until next time, peace.